Hi everyone, and welcome you to Utility Safety In-Depth, where we take a deeper dive into topics recently covered in Incident Prevention Magazine. I'm Kate Wade, the editor of Incident Prevention and your host for this podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Jim Willis, who wrote a feature article titled Strengthening the Substation Fence for the June-July issue of Incident Prevention. Jim is the CEO of InDev Tactical, a security training and consulting firm, and has more than 40 years of experience working with electric power utilities and infrastructure security. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Um, before we dive right in, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to start your own security training and consulting firm? Yeah, I started out, after I got out of the Navy as a second generation lineman, about 40 miles off the Gulf Coast. Very quickly realized I was going to work when everybody else was going inside during thunderstorms, et cetera. So I got a degree in engineering, went into uh, engineering side of the utility sector. Worked there for many years for different uh, utilities, distribution and transmission uh, power utilities. Wound up at NRECA's International Programs for about 10 years through the late 90s, early 2000s. And then, and I, over the uh, period of time, I worked in a, a number of countries. I was more of their special projects person. So I, I wound up doing a lot of uh, initial startup stuff in, in uh, investigation uh, programs and I wound up doing a lot of the security work and, and I slowly but surely began to focus more and more on security of utilities. Started my own firm in 2004 called Indev Tactical. And since then we have worked across the globe with a, a number of uh, different groups, power utilities, gas, water, telecom, telecom uh, groups. And our focus has been on utilities and security and how they tie together. And uh, my background in security, I've had a Defending, but also my uh, formal trainings include uh, coursework with uh, Defense Security Service, uh, U.S. DOD, uh, the U.N. Uh, Security uh, Division. And I've, like I said, I focus primarily on dealing with utilities and how utilities are, are vulnerable to attack. Very good. Thank you. So at the beginning of the article that you wrote, you referenced the attack on Pacific Gas and Electric's uh, Metcalf transmission substation in 2013. Can you talk a little bit about that incident and how attacks on electric utility infrastructure have evolved since then? All right. Uh, yeah, like you said, uh, April 16th, 2013, uh, PG&E's Metcalf station, which is just outside of uh, San Jose, was attacked in the middle of the night. Uh, attack took about 45 minutes. It was well orchestrated. It had, uh, they had obviously surveilled it well. Uh, they started out by cutting the communication cable. They, uh, for about 45 minutes, fired on the substation. They damaged 16 transformers, spilled about 52,000 gallons of oil, and caused about 15 million in damage. They broke off the attack as they began to hear the sound of uh, law enforcement approaching. They've never been identified. They've never been, they have no clue who pulled off the attack. So immediately following that, the U.S. government began to realize just how vulnerable the uh, U.S. utility system is. So they began to put into place several uh, different procedures focused on bulk power. This is uh, where they, they saw the biggest threat because if Metcalf attack had had have succeeded in knocking out just about one more transformer, they had, had been a, it would have created a cascading failure that would have basically reached the Rockies. And they realized the vulnerability of the bulk power system, and almost all the focus since then has been on protecting the bulk power. 
supply, which is 230 kV and above. We had, um, in, in 2014, FERC came out with the uh, first physical security reliability standards. It moved on to about 2015, we wound up with the what they call the SIP 14.2 standards. But again, this protects, this is protection of the bulk power system, 230 kV and above, large, anything that would basically make a large sustained outage because they felt that that's where the attacks would take place. Okay. Well, so you talk about this accelerationist handbook uh, in the article that you wrote, um, and that began circulating last year in, in 2022. Can you talk more about the handbook, like what's included in it, what kinds of individuals and groups are reading in it and acting on its contents? All right. It's, uh, yeah, in, I think, of January of last year, it began to to gain some traction, and then by June, July, it really hit the uh, the internet hard, and they they put a it's about a 14, 15 page document that basically it starts out with the 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 head of Adam Center looking at it. It says make it count a guide to the 21st century accelerationist. It's might help if to understand what accelerationists are. Accelerationists are extreme terrorist uh, or activist groups that look at uh, look their goal is to create the circumstances for the acceleration of the downfall of the U.S. at Western governments, not just the U.S., but Western governments. It actually started in Europe back in the early 19th, 20th century and has been around ever since. It focuses on what this particular document does. It tells people how to take the attack, such as the Metcalf Station attack, and go further on, go bring it further down the chain. They, instead of trying to attack a large bulk power system, it, it advocates attacking small, rural, and isolated, medium-sized, and small utilities, whether it's gas, water, power system, telecommunication, anything to harass citizens of the, of, of the nation and create a disruption in the quality of life that we have uh, at this time. And that is one of the things that they actually promote is, you know, they want to disrupt the quality of life. By doing that, they think they can create enough conflict to uh, accelerate the downfall of the government. And this, they then give step-by-step instructions on how to do it. That basically any a couple of guys with a, a pickup and a deer rifle can create a tremendous amount of damage. And it doesn't have to be a sophisticated attack as, such as the one at Metcalf. Well, so how much are of a threat are these new types of attacks? Is there any kind of like statistics or other data to draw from? Yeah, there's um some of it. I, I get a lot of intelligence reports. I can't discuss all of them, but I can kind of give you the feel for them. Um, the intelligence reports have shown that the attacks since this came out last year have uh, accelerated to the point about a we're at about a, well, I'm trying to look at the number here, 115% in the last year they've increased. In 2022, there were 648 record, recorded events. Now, that doesn't include those that just somebody repaired and didn't bother uh, sending in the, da- uh, the information on. This is ballistic damage. This is just, you know, this is people that are trying to shoot up the stations. Uh, most of them luckily did not cause great damage, but some of them did. It, it's really a, beginning to take hold and begin to move forward, especially we see like the North Carolina last fall, we had the incidents that was quickly copied across the country. 
even those that do not use the internet, the dark web uh, sites for uh, ex like the accelerationist, began to copycat and to begin to uh, create, uh, well, this is a way of doing it. Let's go and try to do it. Some of them do it for ideological reasons. Some of them just because they like to create confusion and, and uh, conflict. Well, so you state in the article that no matter a company's organizational structure, size, operational function, or location, this new strategy represents a genuine and enhanced threat to your system. And then you go on to say that the enhanced danger stems from uh, the exploitation of three existing but generally ignored issues, which are people, vulnerability recognition, and replacement shortages. Can you elaborate on those three issues? Uh, yeah. We can, uh, the first is people, people are, uh, we, we don't know how people will respond or people, people are, or you can't dis determine exactly what some will or will not do and who is going to be influenced by the actions of other people. People are emotional. They're, um, they're irrational, illogical. Exactly right. <laughs> it's uh, trying to think of the right term to try to describe it without being ugly. It's <laughs> can be somewhat, uh, and they seldom consider the consequences of their actions. Uh, people will do uh, sometimes attacks up to up until the last 24 months or so. Most attacks were just random acts of stupidity by someone uh, with, with a, a weapon or some uh, some type of device, not considering the consequences of their actions. In the last few months, as again as this accelerationist handbook has come out. And more and more people are be taking political sides. The um, actions are 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 much more methodical, and it's a uh, it's 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 being carried out with intent on doing harm. Mm -hmm. But you cannot, and like I said, people are irrational, and they will do things that absolutely do not make sense. I was, uh, uh, for example, I was going to uh, Georgia back to do a training program in uh, Gainesville uh, about uh, back in March, and. Two days before I showed up, two people got inside of one of the, uh, substation and were electrocuted. Uh, they were now that was a theft theft issue. Theft is still a big uh, problem for utilities, especially with substations. People think copper is uh, valuable, and it is valuable, but it's not worth getting killed over. It's the type of thing that that happens because you do not know how someone's going to respond. So that's that's the the problem of people, and and people can be urged to do things they would, and, and better circumstances would not do if they had time to really think about it and uh, did not allow their emotions to take over or their ideological Id goals to supersede the idea that they're human and they uh, can do da you know be damaged and do damage when it comes to vulnerability this has been the the best unkept secret in America <laughs> and that's a fact that the utilities are vulnerable there's absolutely no way to protect them when i say that you you know you have miles and miles of, of distribution line, transmission line, gas line, water lines. And we know that the, you cannot have someone guarding it uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 100%. That you have to be realistic on where and, and, and what we do. Now, luckily, up until now, we have gotten away with being with, with very simplistic approaches to security because people haven't acted on this vulnerability but now things have changed uh, with this uh these manifestos coming out and they and they're this manifesto is not the only thing that comes out almost every week something new comes out about 
attacking the infrastructure, uh, both here in Europe, other Asia, across the globe. But they see these activists and, and uh, extremists see these things, and they say, well, that makes sense. Let's go try it. And it's not one group. It's not uh, uh, like going back to the accelerationist. The accelerationists aren't all left wing. They're not all right wing. They're just a they're, that is just their idea to um, create the downfall of the of the uh, Western society. So you have it on both this this uh, philosophy permeating throughout the uh, extremist communities, uh, left wing, right wing, you name it, uh, whatever. Uh, echo one group that's, that's picked up on it since it began to uh, since the original manifesto came out has been echo uh, fascist. They call themselves, and that's people who would take extreme actions to help save the environment. These are all people that now have realized that these things are 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 vulnerable, and they they can usually do uh, do a simple attack without too much fear of being caught. So that's the vulnerability issue. The replacement issue, as far as utilities, anyone in the utility industry knows that right now, uh, insulators, transformers, other critical gear, the lead time on a on a substation power transformer can be up to five years right now. It's wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the the backlog, and this has just been due to, you know, regulation, the economics uh, regulation tightening down on uh industries consolidation of uh, and, and loss of a uh, uh, manufacturing uh, capability and it's really creating a problem so someone may have one or two uh, standby or replacement transformers but if you get two or three of these attacks then suddenly you, you can have be in a, a real critical situation mm-hmm. well so we know that even one attack can cause problems for a utility company and its personnel what kind of things can companies do to proactively protect their infrastructure? Well, you need to take a long, hard look at your infrastructure and get the right people to look at it. Uh, bring your, your 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 team together, pull together a team, not just your safety group, but you need your safety group, your engineers, your operations people. Then pull in um, outside uh, um, support and resources, such as uh, your local law enforcement, but also find... Uh, bring in a security practitioner that does this, that focuses on these issues because they'll find uh, gaps and then do a vulnerability study and look at, uh, look at your infrastructure, decide what is the critical pieces we need to protect and the, then begin to focus on that area. What are, what are the things that if we lose it, if we lose this uh, substation or, or this critical junction pole or this uh, other uh, device, a uh, piece of equipment, it would create a sustained and a devastating outage and uh, create a chaotic situation for us. And then begin to focus on what can we do for that specific site to increase security. It's more than just the fences. I mean, the fences is part of it, but even that, we've, we've, we've done a very uh, lackadaisical, for lack of a better term, approach to that. I mean, we use fences that... Uh, are easily breached, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do it. It's so we we need to make it much more difficult. We need to begin to increase our surveillance of our own stations. Do and do not depend on one technology. Don't depend on just cameras. Don't depend on just any one thing. Um, uh, sensors on the fences or sensors around the uh, uh, the system. That it takes a combination of differing 
resources that are blended together at the Pacific site because each site will be different. And surveillance. So make sure you, uh, one of the greatest things you can do is begin to have a uh, your local community begin to help pay attention to who's around your substations. Now, you don't want them to act on it. You don't want them to confront people. But if they see someone surveilling a station, see someone uh, running a drone over the top of one, uh, something of that nature, you see someone driving around it uh, all once or twice, these things need to, if they get reported, then you can begin to increase your your pers- your your own, your corporate uh, surveillance of that particular station, knowing that almost all attacks are preceded by surveillance. Well, so I think we've covered a lot of important information um, here today, and I want to thank you so much for all your insight. Before we close out this episode of the podcast, is there anything else you feel like it's important to mention? Well... The one thing is take it seriously. Um, it is, you know, we're we're tasked with providing as secure an environment as we can for our employees, for our, the, our customers, our members, if you know whatever the people we're serving, and in protecting our assets, which includes people again, and our people we're serving, and and the equipment itself. Realize that it is a problem and it is a growing problem that will not go away. I've seen these tactics over the years, over uh, the many different war zones I've worked on, uh, at worked in. And I don't, I don't think I mentioned it, but I spent about six and a half, almost seven years in Afghanistan over a 12 year period, uh, working with the rebuilding the utilities. And one of the things I've, I've recognized in these, in these attacks is this is basically guerrilla warfare. These are guerrilla warfare tactics that are basically coming home to us. And we need to be aware of it. We need to be able to respond quickly. And mitigation is what you're looking for. How can we stop? Someone who's intent on doing damage will almost almost, almost always succeed to some level. All we need to do is try to deter it. But if it does take place, be able to mitigate it very quickly and limit the amount of damage they can actually do. Well, again, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time today. And as a reminder to our listeners, Jim's article on strengthening the substation fence is now available in the June-July issue of Incident Prevention, which can be accessed online at incident-prevention.com. Until next time, stay safe and be well. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of utility business media and its employees. It is strongly recommended that you discuss any actions or policy changes with your company management prior to implementation.